Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to the Patriots Beat Podcast for the week of March 14th, 2016. I'm your host, Michael Longi, and we have a great show for you guys this week on the first full week of NFL free agency. The hectic period has already passed, which means a lot of fans are sad they didn't sign their favorite player, but that means the Patriots fans know that this is right in Bill Belichick's wheelhouse. This is the time that he makes deals. He goes after the lesser-known players, uh, and he's already done so making a few such deals uh, over the weekend. So we'll get into all that. We'll talk about the deals. We'll talk about what that means for the Patriots going forward. Uh, I'll give you a couple thoughts on some guys I think the Patriots might want to go after uh, as we continue on free agency. Uh, We'll see how that goes. And uh, we also have a great guest this week. Uh, Editor of Patriots Football Weekly, Paul Perillo, will join us. Uh, He's talking all things Patriots free agency. We'll get into everything like that. Patriots were also awarded... Uh, four compensatory draft picks uh, over the weekend. So we can definitely talk about that, what that means for the Patriots' strategy and free agency going forward. Uh, and we'll also cover you know, other moves around the NFL, some of the bigger moves, some moves in the AFC East that are of interest, some moves with our AFC rival, the Denver Broncos, that are certainly interesting. Uh, so we'll get into a little bit of all of that as well. Uh, but let's get right into it, guys, starting with the Patriots. Patriots have made a few signings. They signed wide receiver Chris Hogan, who's a a four-year veteran, played with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Look, right now, this is looking to me like they signed him to a three-year, $12 million contract. And I don't know, I'm kind of lukewarm on it right now. Uh, Six foot one, 220 pounds. He's a bigger wide receiver. Uh, What he strikes me as right off the jump, you know, we saw him play for the Bills, obviously. He had a big game against the Patriots last last year. I think it was six catches for maybe 100 yards and a touchdown. But this guy strikes me as kind of a Brandon LaFell 2.0 type of guy. You know, maybe they brand, I think Brandon LaFell was six foot one, 200 something pounds. So I don't know. It's it, are they just they're I know Brandon LaFell obviously did not play well last year. Is this just a, a flat out replacement for Brandon LaFell? I mean, it kind of looks that way. But what does this mean for other guys playing? Because Remember, I mean, Brandon LaFell did not play that much. Even in, you know, 2014 when he was playing really well, he had, what, 70-something catches? He wasn't playing that much. I mean, now you're going to be paying Chris Hogan, you know, $4 million a year. I think his cap hit's even higher. 
uh, in the first year, and then it goes down as we go along. But you're going to be paying him $4 million a year to be your fourth wide receiver? Is he is he behind Danny Amendola? Is he in front of Danny Amendola? Uh, I, I think Danny Amendola's cap hit is massive this year. It's six over $6 million. So now you're looking at, okay, we're paying $10, $11 million to our number three and number four wide receivers behind you know Gronk and Edelman. I don't know. It just kind of strikes me as odd. It strikes me as an odd move. Maybe a move that they didn't necessarily have to make. I don't know. It's They definitely have had no luck drafting wide receivers, and that's for sure. Maybe that was the reasoning behind it. They said, look, we'll focus on other positions in the draft, and we'll go after a wide receiver here. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. I mean, this guy is, is a Belichick guy. It looks like just reading his bio here, you know, he played at Monmouth. Uh, he played four years at Penn, played lacrosse at Penn State for four years. So he's kind of a, you know, an everyman, I guess. They, I've heard things that he was like the backup punter for for Buffalo in case their punter got hurt, things like that. So it, it, he just strikes me as kind of a, a Belichick-type guy. Maybe that's the the idea behind the signing, but I don't know. I think you could have addressed other other areas of need before you went after a wide receiver especially when you're going to pay $12 million. They were also in on Mohamed Sanu, who ended up signing a five-year deal in Atlanta, which just shows you that Atlanta will never learn. They're just going to keep paying uh, for wide receivers and not be able to... They'll probably lose 10 games again this year. But regardless, I don't know. I don't see the value in paying $12 million necessarily for Chris Hogan. When you have other areas of need, I think of more need, than, than wide receiver. But that's just me. We'll, we'll see how it works out. Uh, another signing that the Patriots made was Frank Curse, who I've seen listed as a defensive end and a defensive tackle, which, again, strikes me as a Belichick-type guy. He's a guy who can move all up and down the the defensive line. He's six foot five, 310 pounds. He didn't play... He hasn't played that much in his career. I think he's only played... He's played, let's see, 35 games with eight starts. Uh, so, I mean, he's not a lot of playing time, 43 total tackles, five and a half sacks, a pass defended, if, if that means anything to you. I mean, he's just a guy, he doesn't look like he's gotten a lot of work. He he was drafted by, let's see, he was drafted by Miami, played in Tennessee for a little bit on the practice squad. He played for the Washington Redskins last season, so uh, he only played in four games last year with the Redskins. So this is kind of a really unknown guy. Again, sounds like a Belichick-type signing, right? So we'll see where he fits uh, on the defensive line. Looks like he'll probably be just a depth piece. I can't imagine. It's, it's another position that I really don't feel like the Patriots needed to address a defensive line this early in you know free agency. I don't, I don't know. You, you've, I feel like the defensive line is probably the strength of the whole defense at this point. But listen, I'm not here. Who, who am I to argue with, with Belichick, right? Um a third signing the Patriots made, they also signed linebacker slash kind of special teams guy, Ramon Humber. He came from the New Orleans Saints. Looks like he will be mainly a special teams guy. He'll be a fill-in uh, in, at linebacker if you need him, probably. Obviously, there's a void there with Gerard Mayo uh, retiring. So you bring in a guy who can maybe play some linebacker for you if you need. I, I wouldn't be guaranteeing he'll he'll be playing too much on the defensive side of the ball probably a special teams guy uh speaking of special teams guys they also re-signed Nate Ebner uh to a deal so 
couple moves by the Patriots early on in free agency. A uh, little bit of housekeeping, you know, LeGarrette Blunt's still unsigned. I'm not sure if he's coming back or not, but uh, I would like to talk about the running back position, shifting gears to maybe potentially guys who the Patriots can still go after. Uh, two running backs that have popped into my head. I know I've heard that they've expressed interest in Bilal Powell, uh, running back for the New York Jets, who, you know, was kind of, you know, he killed the Patriots. He was, he's a good player, downhill runner, can catch the ball a little bit. So he's a good player. I think that would be a, a, a an option, a guy you can pay maybe a little bit less money to go after him. Uh, and then another guy that I'm seeing on the, I'm kind of surprised he hasn't gotten more looks, is Alfred Morris, uh, running back from the Washington Redskins. He rushed for, you know, 1,200 yards. In a, it was either his rookie season or his second season in the league. He rushed for 1,200 yards. Numbers have gone down a little bit. He's not really a pass catcher either. But if, if you're going to replace a LeGarrette Blunt, let's say, an Alfred Morris-type running back would be a pretty good alternative, in my opinion. So those are two running backs that I'm looking at. I'm saying, well, you know, maybe you give them a look, see, see what they have there. Another guy that's out there is Arian Foster who very much intrigues me because he's obviously he's a fantastically talented running back. When he's out on the field, he's one of the best in the league. But that's just it. When he's out on the field, when, I mean, he's not out on the field that often. He's had a couple season-ending injuries. You know, he's, he's hurt his Achilles. He's torn his knee up. So that's a very, very iffy situation there. But if you can bring him in, even if you can bring him in just to look at him, maybe sign him. He has something to prove. Who knows? Because, uh, you know, obviously the Houston Texans are moving on from him. They just signed Lamar Miller to a pretty hefty contract. A younger, 24-year-old running back. So it looks like he's on the outs in Houston. He'll be available. Maybe take a look at him. I don't know. He, he's probably a guy that some team will overpay for. They'll look at the talent and they'll say, we just got to pay this guy a ton of money uh, for whatever reason. But maybe not. Maybe you get lucky. Maybe you get a shot at him. Uh, out there in free agency but uh, moving on from running back uh, other uh, positions that I'm looking at are you know tight end second tight end is huge for me I'm done with let's go get a wide receiver to stretch the field that mentality which has been the mentality in New England for what you know since Randy Moss left right since 2007 when Randy Moss was stretching the field all over the place all of a sudden once we lost that everyone was like well well we're not winning because we don't have that guy right I'm done with that whole idea. I bought into it before. Believe me, I was de- I definitely bought into it. But I'm done with that whole idea. I've seen the 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 two tight end system with you know Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez back when it was working at its fullest potential. Those two together were just unbelievable, right? So I'd like to see the Patriots get back to that. I thought they were gonna do that this year. The signing of Scott Chandler made me think, wow, I think this is going to be really good. You know, two big wide receivers, I mean, two big tight ends, excuse me, six foot six. You know, you can throw it up in the uh, up in the end zone. They can go up and get it, things like that. Uh, obviously, I was completely wrong. <laughs> I mean, Scott Chandler disappeared from the face of the earth this season. He was dropping passes all over the place, and the Patriots proceeded to release him after that because – what good are you going to do? You're not a very good blocker either, so what good are you going to do? I don't know. He was the guy who killed the Patriots before they signed him, and then they signed him, and he did absolutely nothing. So, I don't know. But 
I would like to see them get back to that two tight end attack type thing. And a guy that I'm looking at who's probably going to get more money than, than the Patriots are willing to pay him is Jared Cook of the Los Angeles Rams. He's a guy who's very athletic. He's fast. He, he can stretch the field, you know, to the extent that a tight end can stretch the field. Uh, he's, you know, again, not a very good blocker, but that that passing attack right, will be, I don't know. I guess you're going to have to look at what Belichick wants. Does Belichick want a guy who can, like an, like a Michael Omanawa Nui, who's more of a blocker that could catch you a pass here or there? Or is he looking for, you know, Aaron Hernandez 2.0, a guy who's athletic, who's big, who can move all around the field and do all sorts of different things? But either way, I would like to see them to get a, a second tight end that can be on the field pretty, for a, a pretty good portion of the time. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm talking about it, I'm saying, well, maybe they do want a guy who can block a little better because this offensive line is iffy, right? Whereas I'm not sure where the offensive line is at right now. Dante Skarnecki is back, so that's good, but it wouldn't hurt to get a little bit more insurance on the outside edges there with the tight ends So in terms of blocking. So I would like to see them go after a second tight end somewhere, whether it's Jared Cook. I think Jared Cook would be the best-case scenario, uh, but like I said, he's probably going to get a, a pretty good chunk of change. He's still young. I think he's 27, 28 years old. Uh, so he's he's a guy who will sign a big contract, I think. So, but and then offensive line, I'm looking at. I'm looking at offensive line. I'm saying, well, are they going to really go back into the draft and draft like three, uh, two or three new offensive linemen, bringing more rookies to the fold? I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to go. So maybe you go out and you get a veteran lineman. You got to pay tackles a lot of money, which is kind of you know, an issue if you're going after veterans. Like, if you're, you're obviously not going after a veteran right tackle. I mean, a veteran left tackle, excuse me, because Nate Sold would be coming back. He's making a good chunk of money. But to get a veteran right tackle, maybe to back up Sebastian Vollmer, he can also be that swing guy if you need him. Uh, I think that is probably the right route to go. I don't necessarily think you need to draft young offensive linemen again. But... As we'll talk about in a, in a few minutes, I mean, the Patriots just got four new draft picks awarded to them. So, And they're in spots where linemen generally get taken, right? So it's, it's I don't know, that's kind of a crapshoot right there. But I think you go after a veteran offensive lineman. I don't think you go after uh, more rookies. That's, that just doesn't really make sense to me. But um, since I just mentioned the draft picks, uh, I guess we might as well talk about those draft picks, right? Uh the Patriots were awarded four compensatory draft picks uh, over the weekend. For those of you who don't know the deal behind compensatory draft picks, basically uh, they get awarded to teams based on uh, this formula. It's all sorts of convoluted and weird. I, I honestly, I don't even understand it. I just know that they say, hey, you get four draft picks. It's based on players that you, so if you lose a lot of players in free agency and don't necessarily, and don't get that many back, you get a certain number of compensatory draft picks. Uh, it's criteria. It says right here, criteria to, criteria to determine the value of a player is based on, you know, salary, playing time, postseason awards, uh, I'm assuming regular season awards, things like that, right? So the last year, the Patriots lost, you know, big time free agents. They lost Revis. They lost Akeem Ayers. 
uh, Ridley, Vereen, Wilfork, uh, among others, right? Brandon Browner. Uh, so Jonathan Casillas as well. So And then they only added really Jabal Sheard in the free agency market. So apparently that equals Patriots get four draft picks in the upcoming draft, right? Compensatory draft picks. Uh, they get... One in uh, the third round, which is the 96th pick overall. And then they get three in the sixth round, which are 208th, 214th, and 221st overall. So, like I said, the especially, specifically the sixth round picks and things like that, maybe even the third round pick, they look like they're in areas where a lot of offensive linemen tend to be drafted. There's the middle rounds, the later, you know, end of the fifth beginning of the sixth I mean the Patriots are at the end of the sixth round but still it looks like there's an area where you know you could go get some people and these four draft picks equal 10 total for the Patriots now Uh, even even though they've lost you know the first and the fourth rounder they still have 10 draft picks so and let's all be honest really Belichick would have traded away that 31st pick in the first round anyway to get a, probably to get another second round pick so I don't know the fourth round pick is really the killer for me I think that was the one that you know Belichick really could have done something with but still you know you got 10 draft picks in this in this draft you're, you're probably going to use all of them the the comp, compensatory draft picks are, you can't trade them uh, they, they're changing the rule and next year you'll be able to trade them but as of this year you still can't trade them so you know that they're going to draft at least four players. You know They're going to use those four draft picks. So they'll obviously use the second-round pick, 60th overall, because you know that's their highest draft pick. Who, you know, who are they going to go after there? But I don't know. I think this might change their, their approach in free agency. I don't know. It's, you have 10 draft picks. I mean, you can save a lot of money that way. We all know, you know the Patriots don't like to spend all the way to the cap anyway. They spend tend to spend to the lower limit that, uh, of the cap that the, that the CBA allows. So this would actually make sense for them to be like, well, let's go back and we'll, we'll draft, you know, maybe we'll draft some young offensive and defensive players. We'll be able to pay them a little less. Uh, we already have our core in place. We have our guys who are going to contribute heavily, so we're good there. And then you can save that money to go out and uh, – you know, pay Dante Hightower, pay Jamie Collins, uh, maybe pay Chandler Jones, stuff like that. So, I, I don't know, maybe they do. Maybe they go back and they say, well, let's hold off on the free agency, the frenzy. We're not going to pay Alfred Morris. We're not going to pay Bilal Powell, for example, uh, because, you know, we're looking at the running back situation and a lot of, the, you know, the top four, let's say, running backs are off the board now. They've already been signed. They're locked up. So now the the market gets a little more competitive and teams start panicking and saying, well, we need to get a running back and they're going to pay a little extra money. And you don't want the Patriots to get caught in that type of a cycle. And they rarely do. They probably won't. So this offers a good alternative to go and we'll say, eh, we'll draft a running back instead. Whatever. What, what do we need a running back for? The Patriots are like, well, Dion Lewis will be back and... Maybe you re-sign LeGarrette Blunt on a one-year deal or something like that for, for the veteran minimum. Who knows? I mean, I, I can't imagine that too many teams are knocking down uh, LeGarrette Blunt's door either. He's got some baggage, and he's really only shown that he can 
flourish. He's really only flourished in New England. So I'm not sure what other teams are thinking of him, but I'm sure that uh, they're not they're not kicking down his door by any means. So maybe they do that. Maybe they say, well, well, we'll hold off on it. I still think, regardless of all this, whether they go back and they say we're going to draft all young people instead and we'll lay off a free agency, I still think they need to go out and get veteran offensive linemen. Veteran tackles, preferably, because, I don't know, I actually kind of like the guards. I like, you know, Shaq Mason, Trey Jackson, Josh Klein, that type of deal. You'll also be getting, like, Ryan Wendell back from injury, who can play guard slash center. David Andrews, who has played some guard and some center. And Brian Stork. So you have, like, three centers, and, you know, the, the two of them can also play some guard, so I'm looking at tackle. That's what I'm looking at. I'm saying, well, bring in some veteran tackles. Why not? Bring in a guy who can back up Sebastian Vollmer, who gets hurt sometimes. And bring in a guy who can back up, maybe he can play the left side a little bit and can back up Nate Solder. Uh, because Nate Solder's coming off a, a, a season-ending injury. So you never know what that. So I say no matter what, go out and get a veteran offensive lineman. Veteran offensive tackle. Swing tackle. Something. Someone who's not named Marcus Cannon because he didn't play well at all last year. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe that does. Maybe it changes their their whole, you know, their whole approach to free agency and says, "Well, we'll just stick with the draft this year. We got our four draft picks back. Now we're only down two. We're gonna trade that first round pick again anyway, right? So we'll we'll see how it goes, but." Uh, I'll tell you what, let's let's talk to someone who really knows what they're talking about when it comes to the Patriots instead of listening to my stupid mouth talking about all this stuff, right? Uh, we're going to talk to Paul Perillo here. Paul Perillo, the interview with Paul Perillo, excuse me, is, is presented by SeatGeek. Uh, have you ever been frustrated buying tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and they try to sneak all these huge fees in at checkout. Uh, that's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports, and concert tickets. Uh, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, excuse me, and you know I use it all the time. I used it the other day. Uh, it's spring break now for me, so I'm looking at Wednesday night's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder I was looking for the Celtics. Uh, I was looking at that game, uh, looking at any game, you know, baseball, football, basketball, whatever you want, concerts, anything. Find it on SeatGeek. Uh, they, they've taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. It's fantastic. They pull all the tickets available on every other site, and they put them all in one place. So you can save time looking. You never miss out on a deal. Uh, you can even set alerts for upcoming events, and SeatGeek will let you know. They'll send you an alert and let you know if the prices fall for that specific event. Uh, so, uh, so listen, if you guys are listening right now and you want to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase, all you got to do is download the free SeatGeek app in Google Play or the App Store. Uh, go to the Settings tab, click Add a Promo Code, and then enter Celtics Beat, all one word with no space. Uh, that's C-E-L-T-I-C-S-B-E-A-T with no space in between. And then SeatGeek will send you $20 after you made your first ticket purchase. Your kid doesn't get any better than that, right? I mean, come on. So go ahead and download the free SeatGeek app in Google Play or the App Store and enter the promo code Celtics Beat with no space today. All right, we are joined here now by the editor of Patriots Football Weekly, Paul Perillo. Paul, thanks for being on the show, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. 
Anytime, anytime. Uh, let's get right down to business. So the Patriots have already made a couple signings. They they signed wide receiver Chris Hogan to a three-year deal. They also signed defensive end Frank Curse. So let's start with Chris Hogan. Is this uh, is this a Brandon LaFell replacement straight up, or is this is this going to be cutting into Danny Amendola's playing time? Or where do you see him fitting into the scheme here? Well, I, I think there are a couple of different ways you can look at it, and I certainly would agree with the first comparison. I think he is... Uh, you know, somewhere along the lines of what they had uh, hoped to get out of Brandon LaFell. And um, certainly in 2014, they got good production out of LaFell. I thought he was a big part of the offense as a, a complimentary receiver, mostly on the outside, outside the numbers, but uh, with an ability to, to make catches in traffic and sort of uh, serve as, as an extra guy uh, in addition to Kronkowski and, and Edelman and those guys. So uh, obviously in 2015, that didn't happen for LaFell, and they moved on. They cut ties with him. And I think Hogan is a guy who's a little bit bigger than most people probably think. Uh, he's 6'1", 225, strong guy, uh, and can make some contested catches. I think that he has been uh, mildly productive in Buffalo in a similar kind of role as a, a, a complementary part. So uh, I, I think that the Patriots probably saw the, the market at wide receiver was probably a little bit higher than they anticipated. And they had to give a little bit more money, I think, to, to Hogan, and they probably would have won a big cap number in that first year. Uh, Adam Schefter, ESPN, reported $5.5 million. So I think that's probably why Buffalo backed away and didn't really even consider uh, matching the offer. And the Patriots got the guy uh, that I think can serve as a complimentary piece. He, he strikes me as like a Belichick kind of guy, too. You know, he played lacrosse at Penn State. Uh, he's, you know, went to a small school. He's just, he's kind of an everyman type wide receiver. It strikes me as the, the kind of guy Belichick goes after normally. Yeah, well, you know, we all know that Bill likes the versatile guys, and, you know, we've heard him, you know, he serves as a, a backup punter for the Bills and, you know, has some ability to do different things. He's left-handed, which sort of allows you to maybe use him on some, uh, you know, reverses and, and uh, end-around throw type things. So, yeah, I think it's it's one of those toys I think that Belichick likes to have at his disposal. We've seen him occasionally use Edelman, um, you know, as a, as a passer, Amendola, you know, with some double catches, he uh, had a chance to, to make a pass two years ago uh, against Kansas City on a play that sort of gotten blown up and they stopped it. So, yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think it's the kind of guy that Belichick tends to, to gravitate toward, and we'll see if the versatility, uh, you know, can be of use to the Patriots. And the other signing was uh, Frank Kirst, defensive. I've seen him listed at defensive end. I've seen him listed at defensive tackle. Are you 6'5", 300 pounds? Uh Defensive line was really something I didn't see as an area that they really needed to address. I was thinking more linebacker, tight end, running back like that. Uh, what, what was the idea behind this signing? Well, I think they're probably anticipating losing the services of Akeem Hicks, and uh, this would strike me as the kind of guy that, that might be able to fill in, a guy that has the ability to play both end and tackle like Hicks did, uh, maybe you know get some part-time play. He's not a guy that's had tremendous production. I think he, in, in parts of five seasons, he only has 30-some-odd tackles. But what I thought was interesting, like five five or six sacks, uh, you know, in his career. So a guy who doesn't play a tremendous amount of time doesn't get a lot of snaps, but um, when he's out there, he, he finds a way to get to the quarterback. So I'm wondering if they're just looking at this as a depth piece, uh, maybe to replace a guy like Hicks. Obviously, the starters are going to be Malcolm Brown and, and Alan Branch. Alan Branch is a guy that they decided to pick up a, a $400,000 option, so he's going to be here next year. Uh, certainly, I don't think Frank Curse is going to come in here and take playing time away from those guys. But you, know, you, you have to build up some depth on the inside. Dominic Easley's been 
uh, injured in his two seasons as a Patriot. So you need some guys you can rely on. They're going to be getting Chris Jones back uh, too. So you know, you add him to the mix, and at the end of the day, uh, at the end of training camp, you see who uh, emerges and who stays and who goes, and maybe Curse is one of those guys that that stays. Uh, you know, when training camp is all said and done next year. Yeah, I'd really, really love to see Easley play in a full season. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, Mike, we just haven't been able to see him do it. So uh, I think that you're probably echoing the thoughts of the coaches with Easley. We've seen some brief flashes, but not been able to consistently do it on the field and then not be able to consistently stay on the field, more importantly. They also assigned uh, Ramon Humber, a linebacker from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, looks like he's going to be more of a special teams type of uh, contributor, more of a Nate Ebner type of a guy. Is that is that accurate, you think? Yeah, now this is a guy that I think uh, screams of Belichick. I mean, he loves to have those linebackers with uh, tons of special teams experience. Uh, and he's a guy who's been around now. Uh, you think Jonathan Freeney last year. Uh, Jonathan Casillas is a guy they picked up a couple of years ago in the middle of the season. You know, guys that have played linebacker and can fill in defensively. You know, John Bostick a little bit last year. Uh, but they are not necessarily going to make their money as starting linebackers in the NFL. They're going to cover kicks. They're going to be core four special teamers, and uh, and that's how they're going to stick around and, and cover all the roles themselves. We'll see if Humber can do that here. Uh, but, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Not a guy, obviously, that's going to take any time away from, uh, you know, Jamie Collins or Dante Hightower. You're looking for a guy to fill in and play special teams. What do you think about that a third linebacker spot? I mean, obviously, Gerard Mayer retired a few weeks ago. Is, is that something they address in the draft, maybe? Or, or what do you think they'll do about that? You know, what, I, what I've seen over the last two seasons, the better part of the last two seasons, is the team doesn't use three linebackers at the same time very often. It's, it's mostly it's, it's only two of them are out there. They, they play a lot of sub-packages um, as their regular base defense. Uh, and, it's, it, you know, I think because of the versatility of Collins and Hightower, their ability to rush the passer, play the run, play in coverage, do different things, allows both of those guys to be three-down linebackers and sort of fill the role of, uh, of that third linebacker by themselves. And I think this allows them to play an extra defensive back. And we see that a lot last year with Jerron Harmon, Patrick Chung, and Devin McCourty all out there at the same time, three safety looks. Uh, those three guys played on the field together an awful lot. So if you're going to have extra defensive backs, you have to have one less of something. And generally that one less is linebacker. And, you know, Gerard Mayo did not play a whole lot last year. Um, and really they, they went without a third linebacker more often than not. So I expect that to remain the case this year. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think Sweeney's an every-down player. Maybe they look for a linebacker, a young linebacker, you know, somewhere maybe in the third or fourth round in the draft and try to augment it that way. But I just don't think that uh, it's, a, it's a really pressing need unless you, you have something happen to Collins or Hightower. Then you could be in trouble because those two guys do an awful lot to that defense. Let's switch gears to running back. Uh, I know they've had some interest in uh, Bilal Powell, free agent from the New York Jets, uh, a guy that I've you know popped into my head that I think would be a good fit. He's like an, an Alfred Morris from Washington. Uh, where do you think they're going to go at running back? Well, Powell, I believe, is sticking with the Jets, um, and I do understand where the the interest uh, in Powell came because he's another versatile guy, catches the ball out of the backfield well. He's known as a good blocker and, and can run occasionally. So I understand where the interest was there. Unfortunately, they weren't able to make that happen. Alfred Morris is a guy that I'm a little bit concerned about because it seems like his his numbers from his rookie year has done nothing but decline uh, in the, the four years that he was in Washington. I don't know if that was due to 
the changing from Robert Griffin III to Kyle uh, to Kirk Cousins, and if that had anything to do with it, uh, you know, I, I'm not overly familiar with the changes in the Redskins' offense with the with the quarterback change. So all I know is that his yards per carry and his, his uh, yards total has generally declined. So I want to know if that's because Morris has sort of slowed down, or if it's because uh, of circumstances beyond his control. James Starks is the guy that I was somewhat interested in, but he's a guy that uh, has some trouble holding on to the football. So not exactly, you know, we all, I think we were all sort of in love with Matt Forte when, when free agency opened and, and obviously the Jets jumped on that. So that's not going to happen. Uh, they have some work to do, Mike, at, at running back, because right now I don't think they have a legitimate NFL threat running the football. Is Arian Foster possibly worth a shot? I mean, he's a guy who gets hurt a lot. He's missed entire seasons. But when he's out there, he's a, a complete difference maker. Is he a guy that you, you throw a flyer on? He's the best of the bunch in terms of talent, but I think you answered the question. Um, maybe if you can bring him in for you know veteran minimum or something close to that, very low money, low risk, um, and you see if he can stay healthy and if he has anything left. There's no question that he is a talented running back, and out of the guys that are available, he's probably the most talented. But he probably has the biggest injury risk, too. And I think there's a lot of wear and tear on those tires. This guy's, this guy's gotten a lot of carries over the years. I wouldn't be opposed to drafting a young guy in the third or fourth round. They have those compensatory picks. Now they have some extra currency to work with there, uh, and even though they can't trade them this year um, with those comp picks. They have 10 picks in the draft. Find a running back in the middle rounds. Bring in a veteran. You know, if it's Foster, I, I mean, I'm not sure Foster would be the, my first pick, but they need to find some running backs because you can't just sit there and say, well, we're going to re-sign with Garrett Blunt and everything's going to be fine uh, doing it that way. Well, we saw last year that that wasn't fine. Uh, they had absolutely no semblance of a running game for the better part of, I would say, the last 10 or 12 weeks of the season, certainly uh, beyond Deion Lewis's uh, you know, spread formation runs that uh, generally I don't really even consider them runs. They're extended screen passes and whatnot. Uh, so they have to find a way to run the ball between the tackles and certainly – need to do something to, to back the pass rush off that, that uh, disrupted the Patriots' offense down the stretch. Let's uh, talk about those draft picks that you just mentioned. Uh, we got one in the third round. We have three in the sixth round. Uh, does that change their approach at all uh, to free agency? Are they going to maybe try to restock in the draft and then maybe not have to pay as much money in free agency? Or uh, does, it, does it affect them at all? Yeah, well, I don't think it can really affect a whole lot now. What, what does affect the free agency in, as opposed to the draft is what their evaluations are of the potential class. In other words, if they think there is a very deep group of defensive linemen, which most people think it's a, it's a draft in the trenches, the offensive and defensive linemen, a lot of defensive tackles, so to speak. Now, the Patriots, I don't think that that's a huge need for them. I don't, you know, but that might say, well, we're not going to go and pay a guy money in free agency because there's a lot of good players at that position in the draft. The fact that they got some extra comp picks, which, you know, they call them third and sixth. Well, to me, they're really fourth and seventh because they come at the end of the round uh, when the round right. is all done. I don't think the compensatory picks are any man near as valuable as a lot of other people paint them out to be. But it's nice to have extra picks just to find a way to add some depth to your roster. I don't think you're going to – you're not going to get a lot of Tom Brady's with those uh, comp picks like they, like they did once upon a time with the 199th overall selection. But – I do think you can find ways in the fifth, sixth, seventh round to, if you have seven or eight picks in those rounds, you, you should be able to get at least a couple that can stick on your roster and add some depth to your, 
top-tier positions, and, and I think that's the way they look at it, not necessarily as a replacement for free agency, but as, as a way to augment the roster. What should we be looking forward to in the next couple weeks of free agency? Are they, are they going to go after a, a, an offensive lineman? Are they going to go after a tight end? I know Jared Cook is out there on the market. I'm sure he'll get paid pretty heftily, but, I mean, that would be a great complimentary piece. Uh, where are they going to go from here? I, I think you're right. I think those are the kinds of I think there's, there's always veteran offensive linemen, some of which you've never heard of, that become available, and you can pick one of those up. And I think that it wouldn't necessarily be the dumbest thing to do um, to add a veteran guard, uh, so to speak. Uh, maybe to, you know, battle with Jack Mason and Josh Klein and Trey Jackson and, and uh, you know, put him into the mix. I personally think they're going to open the, the next season. They're going to open in September with the same five offensive linemen that, that opened in, in this, this, this past season. I think Nate Solder will be back from his injury. I think some combination of, of Jackson – Mason and Klein will be the guards, and I think Brian Stroke will be the center, and Sebastian Vollmer will be at right tackle. I, I really think that's going to be the, the offensive line. You hope that they improve, uh, especially the guards in, in the middle. I think uh, with Dante Skarnecchia back, I think you figure to have a better situation with the coach. I, I don't think that the offensive line is, is uh, as high in need, say, in the draft and free agency as other people have, have painted it out to be. I just think they need to play better. I think they played terrible football last season. I don't know if that was because they didn't have the ability. They didn't have a good coach. I don't know exactly what the reason was, but there's no question that's the reason why the Patriots season ended uh, in Denver the way it did. I think they're capable of playing better than that. And then tight end. Uh, I'm so done with the uh, let's stretch the field type mentality thing with uh, wide receivers. Uh, I, I want a second tight end. And, you know, ever since Aaron Hernandez left, you know, that we haven't been able to find that guy that can replace him. Uh, Scott Chandler was supposed to be that guy, and then he disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, what are they going to do there? I, I agree with you. I think the uh, the second tight end is a need, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them take a run at somebody in the draft, uh, try to get a young one um, that, that might be able to, you know, to, to augment Gronkowski. But I do agree with you. Jerry Cook, you brought up. I don't think that that's a I don't think that's a terrible pick. Now he's definitely known more as a uh, pass catcher than a blocker. So you know maybe Bill's looking for a little bit more uh, of a, a well-rounded tight end for that guy behind Gronkowski. So Gronk doesn't have to do as much blocking uh, as he did certainly in the second half of last year. But I agree with you, Mike. I think that's a position that's sort of underrated um, in terms of importance for the Patriots and Scott Chandler's uh, inability to sort of carve out a role. I thought hurt the offense last year. Yeah, I thought those two together would have been devastating for other teams. The two big six-six targets down the field. Uh, I thought that was going to be a huge upside on the, yeah, the beginning of the season. The problem with that was that Chandler has never been that guy. Chandler didn't have like people look at Chandler and say, "Wow, what an unbelievable bust." I think Chandler was largely what he has been. Um, he's a guy that you know is a reasonably reliable pass catcher, but. He was always the number one tight end in Buffalo, so he caught twice as many passes there as he did for the Patriots. He just wasn't going to get that many opportunities, and he, I think he battled injuries all year. He wasn't good. He just wasn't very good. But I think that people had, uh, I think, grandiose plans for that duo that uh, I never really saw. I didn't think that Scott Chandler was that kind of a player. I'd like to get your thoughts on uh, the rest of the division as well. The Miami Dolphins made a few uh, pretty puzzling moves 
they you know let go of 25 year old Olivier Vernon, 24 year old Lamar Miller. They bring in 35 year old uh, Mario Williams, who isn't playing very well right now. Uh, what exactly are they doing down there? Yeah, the, the Mario Williams thing. You know, look clearly they didn't want to spend the money for for Vernon. Um, they, I, I'm sure that if you gave them the choice, they would much rather have Olivier Vernon uh, than Mario Williams. But the money is a big difference. Um, you know, with the situation at running back, you know, C.J. Anderson, you swap him out for Lamar Miller. I mean, I get it. Um, but, yeah, I just think it's more – it's a continuation of spinning the wheels. It, 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 to me, it's all going to be about Ryan Tannehill and now Adam Gase. You know, what can they do together? Can Gase get the most out of Tannehill? We've seen flashes. Unfortunately, Patriots fans have seen flashes of Tannehill where he's been pretty good. Uh, he's been able to beat the Patriots uh, a couple of times now. Um, and you wouldn't really think that, that that would be the case, but it's it's, it's just another isn't this just another AFC East team that is trying to catch the Patriots that is trying to make moves, but it just seems seems to me just spinning their wheels. It, they're, they're all uh, fighting to, to try to catch Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, and the and the Jets are the same way. I mean, they sign Matt Forte, but then they don't know how to, they can't re-sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. What are they going to do there? Uh, if I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm absolutely taking the money. Brock Osweiler just signed, what, an $18 million deal. Uh, I'm, what do you think they're going to do there? Are they going to stick with Fitzpatrick? Are they going to uh, – I'm not sure where the Jets are at right now. Yeah, I, I kind of like some of the moves that the Jets have made, uh, and I also like their decision not to try to overpay for Fitzpatrick because he sort of is what he is, and he's a veteran in his 30s at this point. You know, There's not that much left. And what you got out of him last year – that's as good as you're going to get out of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think that they probably would love to have him back for one more year and then see if Bryce Petty can be the guy. You know, he's, he's, he was the draft pick last year. By all accounts, they don't feel like he's quite ready yet now to take over. He was a guy at Baylor that played in a different kind of an offense, not an NFL system, so he's probably going to need some more time. But at the same time, you don't want to overpay for Fitzpatrick because it's not like He's given you a great chance to get to the Super Bowl. He might be able to get you into the playoffs, but that's about it. Um, now, with Denver, with Denver's team, the way they have all that uh, the, all that defense, um, you know, Fitzpatrick is a guy I think that could take care of the, you know, you know he could drive the car around a little bit and, and keep you out of harm's way, play a lot better than Manning and Osweiler did last year. Cause, I mean, Denver had just terrible quarterback play, and the defense kept finding ways to win. I think if Fitzpatrick in a situation like that, I think might make some sense. But, again, you don't want to overpay for him. He's a, a veteran journeyman at this point, and you don't want to give up too much capital. Uh, one more thing uh, before we get you out of here. This has been rattling around in my brain for a couple weeks here. Uh, we obviously mentioned Gerard Mayo earlier. He retired a few weeks ago, and one of the things that struck me was Dante Hightower saying uh, he could be a defensive coordinator right now. Uh, now, obviously, you don't make that move uh, in the NFL like that, but does, does Gerard Mayo find his way onto a coaching staff? Uh, this year, next year in some capacity? You know, a lot of people have speculated that, and I think we might get a chance uh, to talk to Gerard next week. Um, you know, There's been some rumblings that maybe the Patriots are going to have uh, something down in Foxborough for him, so we'll see if maybe we could talk to him and, and see what his plans are and figure it out. Personally, to me, I doubt it, because not because I don't think he can do it. I think he certainly could be a coach, a very cerebral guy. Two things, though. One, I, I just think when you're making all that money as a player, I think the last thing you want to do is make next to no money as an assistant coach and then put in, you know, a 22-hour workday, which is what those guys do. And the second part of that is that I would worry about is when you're so close, so now he's going to be coaching Dante Hightower and Jamie Collins, two guys that he's shared that linebacker room with for the last three, 
you know, three seasons. Um, that to me is a tough sort of line to, to walk. Um, when you're that close in proximity uh, to the guys that you played with and now you're coaching. So well, we'll see. I mean, it, it's up to Gerard and, and, and the Patriots what they, they have in, in store for him. But uh, my guess would be no. All right. That is Paul Perillo of Patriots Football Weekly on Twitter at PFWPaul. Uh, thanks a lot, Paul, for joining us. And uh, come back soon, all right? <laughs> Anytime. Thanks. All right, great stuff from the editor of Patriots Football Weekly, Paul Perillo. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at PFWPaul. Uh, another reminder, that interview was brought to you by the SeatGeek app. Download the free SeatGeek app in the Google Play or App Store today. Uh, so we're just going to wrap up the show here, give you some thoughts on kind of the major moves around NFL free agency so far uh, this season. Um, obviously, as is the case with most Super Bowl champions, uh, there is a mass exodus from the Super Bowl winning team, and this year is no different with the Denver Broncos. Malik Jackson, defensive end, left, signed with Jacksonville. Absolutely, we did it for the money. Uh, you got, you can tell. Uh, they also lost Danny Trevathan. They lost C.J. Anderson. They lost uh, uh, Brock Osweiler, their starting quarterback. I mean, they lost a lot of guys. They also obviously lost Peyton Manning to retirement. So. I mean, the Denver Broncos are kind of, they have a, they still have a great defense, don't get me wrong, but they're kind of in a state of flux right now. They're not sure what they're going to do at quarterback. I believe their quarterback, uh, Trevor Simeon, I think is his name, and I'm pretty sure he didn't play at any kind of a powerhouse college. So he might not be ready to play right now. But, uh, you know, I, I've seen reports around that they've expressed interest in uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick of the New York Jets, very similar to what Paul said, uh, but... I mean, I don't know why they would pay him that money if they weren't going to pay Brock Osweiler that money. If anything, Osweiler might be a little bit of a better thrower of the football than Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I'm not, I'm not really sure if if that's a a, an, a good idea to go after him. Uh, you know, but I mean, the the bottom line is for the Denver Broncos is they've lost they've lost a pretty good amount of impact players on their team. I mean, Malik Jackson was the number one ranked free agent this this year. And he left to go sign in Jacksonville. Danny Trevathan was the number nine ranked, uh, according to NFL.com here. So, I mean, they lost a lot of good players uh, to that team. And then, uh, you know, obviously around the division, uh, Lamar Miller went to Houston. Brock Osweiler also went to Houston. Uh, so Miami had to pick up the slack somewhere. Uh, Miami decided to sign C.J. Anderson of the Denver Broncos. So, you know, a lot of people just switching places. Mario Williams, as we mentioned, uh, went to the Miami Dolphins as well, from Buffalo to Miami, the New York Jets signed Matt Forte, uh, so, uh, you know, I, th- I think Paul made a really good point in the interview there when he was talking about the rest of the division, and he said, this, this is literally just a case of all these teams trying to catch up to the Patriots, it's, it's, they're, they're making splashy moves, they're going after, you know, big time, running back or big time defensive end whatever and uh it, it's they're still they're just chasing Belichick and Brady who you know their biggest move so far has been Chris Hogan you know it's it's kind of comical to see how uh, the Patriots must frustrate these teams they do they frustrate them so much to the point where they're just like we have to make these ridiculous splashy signings you know and Dominican Sue last year for Miami how well did that work out I heard he wasn't even reading the playbook you know so uh, the division is not looking good uh, again for them. Uh, 
Olivier Vernon, as I mentioned, one of the most dynamic pass rushers in the entire league, uh, left the Miami Dolphins to go to the New York Giants. Now they're stuck with uh, Cameron Wake, who is a very good player, but he's also 30 in his 30s and coming off a, an Achilles tear. I believe it was an Achilles tear. And then they signed Mario Williams, who's 35 and didn't play very well over the past couple of years. So maybe that's a money-saving move, like uh, like Paul said, but I, I'm, I just don't see, I don't see what kind of direction they're going in right now and you know uh, eh. offensively they have CJ Anderson I I mean that's a pretty good running back I I suppose he he hurt the Patriots for sure Uh, but I don't know I I, I don't see the Dolphins as any more of a threat than they were when they had you know Lamar Miller and Olivier Vernon to be honest I think they they've kind of stood pat and I think that the Jets might have even gotten worse because they lost the quarterback that that led them to their 10 wins, right? So uh, I'm not I'm not sure what the Jets are going to do at quarterback. I mentioned that, uh, you know, Robert Griffin III did meet up with them. He did have a meeting with them on Friday. We'll see what comes of that. I mean, honestly, I'd prefer it if, if, if RG3 was the starting quarterback of the Jets. Uh, I think he'd be all right with that, to be honest. I mean, he's a, a year out of football. He didn't play at all last year. He was so far down on the depth chart that he didn't even wear his pads during the game. So, uh... Look, that might be a guy that Patriots fans are saying, yeah, why not? Yeah, Jets go ahead and sign him. You know, whatever. Why don't you take Johnny Manziel too, for that matter? You know, it's 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 a it's a matter of playing catch up, like Paul said. It it all comes back to that, and really, I mean, they're not doing a very good job of playing catch up. They're they're just not. Uh, so, as far as you know, other kind of big moves around. Movement-wise, nothing really. I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul remained with his team, signed a one-year deal. Doug Martin, uh, Tampa Bay running back, decided to stay with Tampa Bay. They're building something pretty good down there, I think. They might be pretty good in a couple years uh, with their young quarterback and everything like that. So, I mean, you know, Sean Smith left Kansas City, went to Oakland. Um, Derek Johnson remaining in Kansas City. Uh, So... You know, not not many, not too many, you know, blockbuster. Whoa, I can't believe he just went and signed there. Uh, type deals. I mean, there's a lot of movement every year in the NFL. So, uh, I don't know. It's it the the real thing. It's gonna come down to you know the quarterbacks. Where's where's Fitzpatrick gonna go? Because I think he's he's holding out for the money. I don't blame him. This will be the last time he signs a big time contract. So I would take full advantage of that. And. Uh, I just got right here a, a report. Broncos won't meet, meet Ryan Fitzpatrick's salary. So maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick is actually asking too much uh, from from teams instead of uh, instead of you know having them ask too little. Uh, very interesting. Uh, so we'll we'll see what what goes on with that. Uh, the Jets obviously still need a quarterback where wherever that's going to be. Focusing mainly on the division uh, teams right now. The Jets need a quarterback. The Bills. You know they need some help. Let's not let's be honest. Uh, so I don't know, man. It's, it looks like it might be another year of at least a division championship for the New England Patriots, right? I mean, no team is making moves. I, I was more nervous last year when you know the Bills made all those moves to bring in the pieces, and the Dolphins bring in Indomik and Sue, and you know they've got all these different guys working. I was like, well, you know, maybe the Dolphins, maybe the Bills will have some. They'll be a legitimate threat. And then we watched it. And 
they were no sort of a threat. So, I don't know. I, I think it's probably going to be the same way this year, right? Um, but anyway, guys, listen. We're obviously going to be following this throughout the weeks leading through uh, free agency here. Uh, there's still plenty of moves to be made. I'm looking at the list of free agents out here, and th- there are a lot of guys still to be signed. Uh, a lot of uh, unrestricted free agents still out there. You know, so, look, there's guys you can go out and get. If, if the Patriots want to go out and get them, they can go out and get them. They just got to pay the money or whatever. But uh, we'll see uh, where that goes there. We'll obviously we'll, we'll also keep up to date on all the deflate gate uh, news and notes and all sorts of stuff like that. If any decision comes down, we're obviously not expected to have one for a couple months. But whenever one does come down, we will be sure to be all over it for you guys. And, uh, you know, we'll be all over any other news and notes that uh, – that befall the Patriots over the next few weeks. Um, but listen, guys, until then, thank you so much for listening this week. I really appreciate it. Um, once again, be sure to follow Paul Perillo, editor of Patriots Football Weekly on Twitter, at PFWPaul. You can also go ahead and follow me on Twitter, at M, or, at, bleh, bleh, at M underscore Alonji. <laughs> uh, you can go ahead and follow uh, our networks page, at CLNS Radio, uh, the the show page at Patriots underscore beat uh, and every other uh, CLNS related Twitter account. You can go ahead and follow that as well. So uh, we'll be back next week, guys. We'll be talking more free agency news, more, you know, draft news. The draft is coming up, so we'll get in depth on all that sorts of stuff. So uh, plenty of stuff to talk about, even though it's the offseason here uh, on Patriots beat. Uh, so until then, guys, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.